This is Grown Up and Grounded, a podcast about growing up and being a grown up, about getting grounded and staying grounded. This week, Kate and I had a quick chat about The Handmaid's Tale. The rest of the episode are extras from previous conversations that we've had. Join us, a mother and a daughter, two women talking about everything. I realized that I talk a, a lot about um, relationships. Shocker. Yes. No one's surprised by that. No um, one is surprised by that. But I should probably stop maybe just one episode where I don't mention, you know, romantic relationships. I don't know. I don't know. And where you don't mention me being a good mother. No, that's going to be every episode. Gonna have to do with it. <laughs> no, it sounds like I created a podcast just for the you sake need of like to having... say this on the podcast. I'm recording podcast. right now. Jeez. Okay, well then say it for real so I can actually give you a response. Okay. I feel like maybe you should stop saying you're a good mother. You're a good mother in every episode. It's very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> This is so the opposite of a problem that every other parent daughter has, I see. <laughs> no, you can tell me when we're not recording, but uh, as much as you want. <laughs> but I definitely feel like it seems like I created a podcast in order to have my ego stroked about what a great mother I was. And I definitely have several flaws in my mothering parenting. Okay, well, I've never said you're a perfect parent or True. a perfect mother or a perfect person. But I do think that you are a good mother, and I'm not going to stop saying that because, not because I think that you need to have your ego stroked, or I think that the point of the podcast is for me to tell you or anything like that, but because, as I have mentioned to you previously, I didn't, I don't think that I fully realized how good of a mother you were or how lucky I was to have a mom like you until I became an adult and spent time with other people's parents or getting to know people's relationships with their parents. And seeing how shitty those parents are and seeing how, like, toxic their relationships have become as an adult. Okay, and I've never first had anything all, either. Every time you pass, it means we have to change our rating to explicit. I googled and even if you say S-H-I-T, you have to change it to explicit or Apple will kick your butt out. Second of all, <laughs> I don't feel like our listeners tune in to hear you're a great mother. You're such a great mother. Oh, it's not like I say mother. it constantly. <laughs> well, it's I'm not the one like every editing. Every conversation that we have, uh, I say. I it. mean, the episode I'm editing now, maybe you said it three times. I mean, I got to the point of cutting it out. <laughs> I think that maybe you are projecting that you think I'm a greater mother than I really am. No, I think that <laughs> you are focused on your flaws and don't think that you are worthy of praise. And so when you hear it as you're editing, it stands out to you more than anything else. I'm sure there are things that I say more than that because when I was listening, when, you know, when I like have been re-listening to episodes and stuff, I, it hasn't stood out to me at all. Yeah. Well, I might've cut it out. I'm just well, saying. Well, then who the F cares? <laughs> If you can edit it out, then just edit it out. Well, I don't think I can edit it out every time. I don't know if I edit it out. I have, I, um, I listen to it so much when I'm editing that it's really hard for me to go back. See, see, I think that it just sticks in your head and you think that it's worse than it is. 
maybe, but I also just thought I should mention it to you. I didn't realize it was going to be an issue. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to change the way that I speak for you. No. Uh -uh. Sometimes it feels like it's not real, like you're just saying it because... Well, I've never said a thing in my life I didn't mean. <laughs> um, you're quite a liar. I would say <laughs> that's not true. Oh, but I meant those lies. They were they came from a place of passion. Oh, you believed the lie. That's what makes you such a good liar. I mean, not that I believed it. I knew that it was a lie, but I believed in the reason that I was lying. <laughs> so that line, that line probably gets pretty blurred. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. So I, you know, I feel bad just now. I had a moment of like, I shouldn't be calling you out for being a liar because anybody that's like becoming your friend or getting to know you might be like, Kate's a liar. I can't trust anything she says. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very valid point, but I'm not a liar anymore. True. I know. I just, in my head, I like to teach you that you're a liar. Because I mean, I was, of, I, I would was say for long enough that it's fair that you tease me about that. Yeah. I think that's justified. And like, what, I mean, I would say of of all your lies that you told when you were a liar, 90% of those lies were probably to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, so it's not really fair to say that you were a liar per se, but you lied to your mother on a regular basis, lied to your mother on a regular basis at one time. Yeah. I don't know. If you can lie about the little, you can lie about the big. That's my philosophy in life. Uh, I, yeah, I disagree. Of course you do, said the liar. <laughs> <laughs> so have you been watching The Handmaid's Tale this season two? Uh, a little bit. I'm not caught up, but yes. I've seen the first few. It's rough this season. They just really took the bull by the horns and are not messing around. I mean, I feel like that's pretty true for, for the first season, too. I don't really feel like they shied away from just about anything. But it's... I do feel like there's something different about this season. Yeah. Maybe because they're responding to... I don't know, unexpected success of the first season or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But there, there does... There just seemed to be a little bit of a more intense feeling. Maybe maybe because they didn't have to spend time establishing the world, you know, like they did in the first one. Right. And they, the first one stays pretty close to the book. I mean, they added some modern flair to it, but the overarching story is pretty right on to the book. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did add a, little, a few little extras and the visuals were beautiful, but for the most part, the whole thing was there. Yeah, I find. Have, do you have you ever read any interviews with Margaret Atwood or anything? No, no, she's, I haven't. Unfortunately, she's, she's a pretty fascinating character. Mm -hmm. uh, she I, she would be interesting to meet. I think she actually walks around her little town. I just read an article, and they were talking. She lives in Canada, and how she just kind of walks around the neighborhood, and so people often ask for pictures with her, and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. She's she's kind of feisty. Uh, I'm not Mar surprised. I know. Of course not. In one interview, I think it was an interview where someone was talking about, I couldn't find the reference, but I know she said this, that everyone's dystopia is someone else's utopia. Because we always see like this dystopian novels and, you know, you're rooting for the, the downtrodden and it's always from that perspective, but it's really 
it's really fascinating to think about it in terms of the fact that that's someone else's heaven. Like that's everything they've ever wanted. Like, yeah, it really makes you think about it in a different way. Yeah. I totally was thinking of the hunger games. Like it's true. Like that's a really good picture of that, right? You had Katniss's people and the other groups, but the people that lived in the city were just, they loved it. It was, they didn't want that world to end. Yeah. They were just all decadent would eat so much till they threw up and just all these horrible things. And so it's kind yeah. of where people were starving in other parts. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you don't, it, you don't think about that when you're watching it. Uh, you don't think about what it's like for them. Cause why would you want to, you know, like they're the bad right. guys, but it does give it a different feeling when you think that not only you can't just think of them as passive, like people who are passively enjoying this or they just happen to end up on the right side of this divide and now they're, you know, Mm -hmm. just there's nothing they can do about it. So whatever. And I feel like that's especially clear in Handmaid's Tale because as you kind of find out the people that she's living with who are, you know, torturing her essentially are the people who helped establish this, this society. So it's not passive. It, they're these, they wanted this so badly that they went to war for it. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. And they, I, I was even thinking about that. Like it, it like the handmaid cell touches that spot where we could see how we could get to that. But like what you're saying, it's that juxtaposition of the devoutly Christian enslaving and assigning status or class kind of, I don't know how they decided. It doesn't really get into that. But my assumption is based on whatever the presumption of your devoutness and also wealth or status in the other world gave you wealth and status in Gilead. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's like weird because they do it all in with the idea like you can see from their perspective that it's in the name of the betterment of society and all people as a whole. But yet they've Mm -hmm. enslaved people and they're they're doing all these other things. So it's weird. I mean, I didn't really realize until this season that the reason that they're enslaving people or that the, how they've chosen these people that they're like enslaving, right, is based on what they did before. So if you were, if you did stuff that was, that would have had you labeled a sinner before the, before Gilead was formed, then that's how you become a handmaid or that's how you become a Martha or whatever it might be. You know what I'm saying? Because right. you met the what they called the Akana people, the people who were in the neutral zone between the two. Right. And then there's that whole idea of like the Marthas, the ones who are the maids and stuff, are the brown people. The people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true, too. Yeah. So that part's all kind of interesting. I don't know. It's also pretty frightening when you think about the idea that all of the things, at least from season one, from the book, she said that those are all things that had really happened. As a matter of fact, I have a quote from, it's from an article in the Guardian interview with her. She said, I made a rule for myself. I would not include anything that human beings had not already done in some other place or time for which the technology did not already exist. 
I did not wish to be accused of dark, twisted inventions or of misrepresenting of the human potential for deplorable behavior. And then she just goes on to mention things that are found in the book that have actually been been done. Wow. Um, under the and some of it, she mentions being under the Christian tradition itself. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even more frightening. Like, yeah, this is real. Like, how close are we? Too close. We're kissing it. Yeah, and I think season two takes that on even more. Like, if you if you haven't watched the most recent episode, there's definitely a thing that happens in the most recent episode where they are really doing a call out to things that are going on right now. I mean, there are other things that this one, because it wasn't from the book, it's just like, oh, okay, they definitely were just calling on the times of now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's a little freaky. I mean, I guess that is one pro of this crazy dystopia that we're in right now in real life is that, hey, it's 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 great um, inspiration, you know, for... For art? All this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, there, there are definitely some good aspects. I mean, I'm more politically aware and involved than I ever have been. Yeah. But I mean, there's a, there's a saying or a quote, I'd have to look it up, but that says something like the less you have to think about politics, the better it's working. Yeah. Very true. And that's how people get lulled into not thinking about things that are going on that they don't hear about because it works for them. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's all a puzzlement, but yeah, I think the idea of this devoutly Christian people taking over Gilead and, and doing all these things is, I don't think it's necessarily a new idea, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Can't it's just even that. like how, how countries were colonized and stuff. Like it was under the ideas that they were all savages right these mm-hmm. these other you know the way they were operating because they weren't christian like me always yeah. makes me think of that uh song from pocahontas which i don't know if you've ever never read the lyrics to colors of the wind because it's something like you think the only people who are people are those who think and act like you or something like that are the are the people who look and think like you who look and yeah. think like you yeah Everybody knows that line, Mom. You don't have to read the lyrics to know it. It's the, it's no, I'm saying the first if you the read song. the lyrics, the whole song, though, is is pretty much that I, idea, right? She starts out with something about being a savage. like Yeah. So, yeah. And She's basically just saying, hey, there are other ways of living that right. you need to recognize as just as valid. 100%. 100%. Disney is not perfect, but, you know, they... They know some stuff. They they hire really great songwriters for sure. I mean, yeah, that goes without saying. I mean, look yes. at the lyrics to "Let It Go." Just kidding. I have no idea where that lyrics actually are. You don't know what the lyrics to "Let It Go." I mean, are? I do. If it was playing, I could sing along to it, but I can't. Other than "Let It Go," I was going to say we've been to a frozen sing along. <laughs> no, but I mean, other than "Let It Go," I can't like right now tell you what what the first line is. I can, yeah, you either, but you could just quote Colors of the Wind to me. 
And it's only because it's newer. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's funny. Yeah, I mean, she talks about, you know, she talks about snow. making snow and the cold doesn't bother her. And, right. Uh, let, let go of your fear. Yeah, I got nothing. Afraid. Yeah, I, you know. There's, it's a good song. She's good accepting song. her power and not going to stand in the dark anymore. She makes a bad-ass castle. She does. I guess I can't say badass, huh? She makes an awesome castle around her. Super cool during that song. So I was always distracted by that. I think, that, well, and there's a lot of build-up, right, to the let it go part. She's taking off her dress. The music is getting heightened. I mean, she's not taking gloves. off her dress, but you know what I mean by it. Her she's gloves changing. are flying away. Her gloves she are her flying hair away. Down. She, she changes she her, her dress. Hair. Her dress changes. She becomes a queen. That's right. She steps into it. She owns it. Yeah. So it's visually distracting and musically distracting. Yeah. Because then you get to the just awesome, let it go. And you're like, why would I pay attention to anything else? This is the moment. And then she's like, the cold never bothered me anyway. You're like, yeah, girl. <laughs> and she slams the door. <laughs> and then it's back to the silly love story. Anna and Kristoff, my favorite. <laughs> I They're was... who I love in that movie. They're so funny. Their whole dynamic is hilarious. Love them so much. <laughs> when... Uh... Actually, Olaf is my favorite, but when Olaf is like, that's not how people act that are in love. They do this. And it, I mean, it's just like, that's actually what Kristoff is doing. That's what's mm -hmm. funny. Yeah, so cute. Olaf has the probably, I mean, probably arguably the best line in that movie, though. Some people are worth melting for. <laughs> Aww, Olaf. I don't know. I like, uh, I'm going to find out what I'm going to do in summer. What snowmen do in summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great song, too. When they're like, I'm going to tell like, him. Chris, Don't I'm... you dare. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. I love Frozen. I love Frozen. I love pretty much every Disney movie that's ever been made. You're projecting. No. <laughs> what it is is when they explain how their brains work. Do one of your irritating sizes me. Like... <sighs> Let me explain this to you again, dumb old lady. <laughs> I didn't say dumb old lady. You said dumb old lady. No, it's in your tone. It's implied. Just like well, I didn't text, say I it. Imply that I'm irritated or whatever. Oh, you're irritated all the time. I am. I'm so not irritated all the time. It sounds like it in a text message. <laughs> Every text message I've ever gotten from you sounds so serious. Okay, are we going to have this conversation right now about you and I not being able to text? Let's have it. Let's throw down. Let's. I mean, I don't it. know that we need to throw down. It's just that you and I have discovered we are unable to text. We like, really can't. We cannot communicate via text I message. Because if I make a sentence with a period, you're like, why are you so short? I, did, I was just using gram grammar. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that simple. It's not that simple. It's not like if you just end the sentence... It's it's like everything in that sentence. It's like I'll be like, "Hey, you know, I'll I have I'm calling you 15 minutes later than normal today just so you know." And you're just like, "Well, I had a thing that I had to go do, but it's fine. I'll rearrange it." Period. And I'm like, "How am I supposed to take that?" Like, 
Couldn't you just say okay? Well, no, I probably was irritated that time, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> it's it's hard to tell because every time we text, it's like that. I think Every you're time. just, because I'm such a great mother, you're just very worried about having me upset with you and not being your favorite. So you sometimes infer irritation where it is not there. And um, I often infer, like, shortness. Like, you have no patience for me asking whatever I'm asking in your texts. Well, sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's true. See? Sometimes you ask questions that are really unnecessary to ask in that moment. <laughs> like, sometimes I'm like... I'm, I already said I'm going to call you in an hour. Like, this could wait for that phone call. It does not need to be discussed right now when I'm very clearly busy. Or I would be calling you if I wasn't busy. <laughs> I just don't understand why you need to ask this right now. <laughs> but that's only sometimes. <laughs> no. Sometimes I'm in the middle of something. I need to answer this one question. I can't wait till you freaking have an hour from now to call me. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Or maybe I'm just trying to plant the seed so that you will, that I won't forget and you'll remember to answer it when we do talk. Well, but I feel like I have to respond to you right that second. But that's and not like, my fault. Work or something. Well, if you text me, <laughs> you're going to save that sound, aren't you? If you text me a question. I'm going to want to answer it because I love you. And I'm a great mother. Uh, long story <laughs> short, you and I can't text. We can't even talk about why we can't text. Yeah, it's... no, we can't. But there is a really, really funny uh, Key and Peele oh, skit. It's so us. It is so us, 100%. And I think that we should share that on our Facebook page because it's hilarious. Yeah, I will have to put that out there. It is pretty funny. Yeah. And 100%. It's, it's so good. And then but at I the feel end, like both like of when us they are the angry ones. What? Like both of us are the angry ones. Or like we take turns being the angry one. Totally. Like I I hear you're getting snippy and you don't have time for me and you hear I'm mad at you. Yeah. It's a summary of our relationship right there. And then yeah. when we're together, we're like, oh, you're so sweet. You didn't mean that. <laughs> Just like them at the end. Oh, you made <laughs> yeah. me that for my costume. <laughs> Ow, my cat, Jesus. <laughs> hey. She's fighting sleep, but when she does this, she attacks me. Why does she fight sleep? Because she's so happy at home? Yeah. She does, she's got FOMO too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, your cat is so much like you. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fat part. It's just kind of bizarre. Like how else? How else is she like me? She... Other than needing to be the center of attention all the time. I mean, I know that one. That one's me. Yeah, she needs interaction. She's needy in a way that, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> Her meows are like you. That's all the advice that I have, really. We hope you enjoyed this episode and all the extras. We'll be back to a regular episode next time. We want to give a big shout out to Dave Depper, who provides the music we use in our podcast. 
The song you're listening to is titled Can Can 2, and we got it from the Free Music Archive. If you'd like, you could check out Dave at davedepper.com. Have a good one. You're right, Mom. Thanks. Man, you're such a good mom. (laughs) 